This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 7th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Patents are meant to keep the good ideas flowing while letting creators profit from their ingenuity. But recent patents have become so broad as to cover abstract ideas, as in the case of the patent on wireless email. A case to be heard this week in Washington could redefine how we think of patents. Tim Lee, a Cato Institute adjunct scholar, explains. So the Bilski case deals with a, a gentleman named Bernie Bilski who uh, applied for a patent on um, a certain series of financial transactions um, where you would pur- you would purchase a commodity at a certain price and then you'd enter into a series of contracts in an attempt to reduce the risk associated with holding that commodity. Now, this might sound like something that uh, is um, – too abstract to be patentable, and in fact, that's exactly what the courts have held. Um, and Mr. Bilski appealed this to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit, which has jurisdictions over uh, patent cases. Well, he's certainly not alone, though. It's a method of reducing risk, and Amazon.com has patented the one-click shopping, which is a method of shopping, and businesses have patented uh, or tried to patent their business methods in such a way that nobody could compete with them. That's, that's right. The, the, um, the Supreme Court in the early 80s held that um, you, you couldn't get a patent on abstract concepts like uh, mathematical algorithms, laws of nature, etc. Um, but in the, the subsequent 25 years or so, the, um, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit, which has jurisdiction over patent cases, has increasingly allowed these kinds of patents. Um, and there was a famous case in 1998 that basically opened the floodgates, said, uh, never mind, in essence, um, broad categories of abstract um, ideas are, are now eligible for patenting. And the result has been a flood of, of new patents on um, these kinds of abstract concepts. So one of the most famous is Amazon's one-click shopping patent, which covers the concept of purchasing something online with one click. And um, so any anybody who starts a website that allows you to purchase something with one click theoretically is is infringing Amazon's patent and would have to pay royalties. Um, and uh, another good example of this is the... Um, uh, the BlackBerry wireless case, there was a company called NTP, which didn't have any, any employees, um, didn't have any products. All it had is some lawyers, and they got a, a hold of a patent on a very broad category of wireless email applications and have essentially sued anybody who makes a, a product that lets you check your email wirelessly. And in 2006, uh, Research in Motion, which is the company that makes the BlackBerry, was was forced to pay a, a $600 million uh, settlement to uh, settle its patent claims, and there's no dis- in in that case, and in most of these cases, there's no claim that uh, Research in Motion copied NTP's technology. They just happen to have a a product that that did something that's described in this patent. In this case, um, check email wirelessly in a certain way. So, to the extent that I could describe something that may occur, I have a a shot of getting a patent on it, and just sort of sit on it and wait for somebody to do the same thing? Like, okay, flying cars. I patent flying cars. The, the one constraint is that there is a requirement that there be no prior art. So if I could find a, um, say, a, a scientific journal article describing a flying car that's a specific kind of flying car you're talking about, um, then I could get your patent invalidated. But the, the problem is that with technology advancing as rapidly as it is, you're constantly having new technologies come up, and somebody could... So, so when email was invented in the... Um, 70s or 80s, somebody, and in fact, in the early 90s, somebody said, well, you know, 
wireless, even in the 90s, was a pretty common technology. Email was a te- common technology. The first person to think, well, maybe you could combine these, thought to apply for a patent on that. So it's not something, it really wasn't an invention per se. It was, um, it, it was just they were smart enough to be the first person to think of the idea of combining these, and they managed to get an effective monopoly on anybody in the future who happens to also have the same idea. Information leaks. People want to protect new things that they've created, be it a business method or or some other uh, technology that they've created. Patents exist for the purpose in some ways to keep the good ideas coming and have people introduce new ideas into uh, the marketplace. Where's the dividing line between something that is a legitimate patent and something that is just an abstract idea? That, that's a, a complicated question, and that's obviously what the Federal Circuit will be looking at. Um, I think the one thing we can certainly say is that they've moved too far in the direction of allowing um, abstract patents. The Electronic Frontier Foundation has filed a brief in, in this case, um, basically arguing that there should be a, a standard for sort of technologicalness, that it has to describe a specific uh, device or, or process rather than simply a, an abstract concept. This, this case is particularly egregious because there's no, the, the Bilski case, because there's no um, device at all. The, it's, it's literally, you have a conversation with one individual and make a transaction, and then have a conversation with another individual and make a transaction. And that's the, the process they're talking about. And the ACLU filed a brief pointing out that this has free, free speech implications because effectively it's a patent on having certain kinds of conversations. And you know, the ACLU doesn't normally get involved in patent law, but when you're having these kinds of extremely broad claims, you get to the point where patent law is telling people what they're allowed to say or not say without, you know, paying somebody a, a royalty, and that seems very problematic. What is Congress's role in fixing this, or is there any pressure on Congress to try to uh, tighten up the standard for creating patents? There's there's definitely a lot of pressure on Congress. Um, there's been a patent reform bill that's been considered by the last couple of Congresses. Um, unfortunately, it's been focused on very narrow. Um, questions. It does a few good things, like it um, it, it reduces venue shopping. So that, because right right now people will tend to to go to the most patent friendly judge they can find. So it re- reduces venue shopping. It does a few other good things, but it really does not address this big picture question of what can be patented and how broad can a patent be. Um, I think that if the our best hope is probably that the that this will go up to the Supreme Court, this case or a, a case like it, and the Supreme Court will reiterate what they said in the early '80s, which is that. Um, abstract concepts can't be patented. Um, but if they don't, I think that the, you'll continue to see these kinds of ridiculous patents. And at some point, the problem will get so bad that Congress is going to have to come back and revisit it and um, do the job that the courts are not. Tim Lee is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You can read more on patents at our website, cato.org.